you know, I haven't seen the Assassin's Creed one that apparently was dog shit. So like, yeah, I, I really, this was my first video game movie and I'm here to say folks, video game movies are good. <laughs> yeah, based on the sample size, they're incredible. Based, based on this movie alone, this is the best fucking genre in the world. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm Sergeant Donut. And this week, we gotta go fast as we chat about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Before we cash in our government-funded Olive Garden gift card, remember you can help us unmortify the legitimacy quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter, at MortifiedPod. Layla... How have you felt after watching this uh, critically acclaimed film? Uh, so two things. One, the existentialism hits different after you've spent a year inside doing nothing. Um, and two, this was the last movie I saw in theaters before we went into lockdown. It was immediately after Valentine's Day. Me and my neighbor went to Walgreens. We bought a bunch of clearance candy and we went and we saw Sonic the Hedgehog at the Alamo. And we were both incredibly pleasantly surprised. And you know what, motherfucker? It holds up. How did you feel about it? I mean, I think you're right that, like, it definitely is a different experience. Especially, like, as you say, this is probably a lot of people's last movie they saw uh, in quarantine. This and, and Cats. Um, so, like... <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about cats, but um, this one, like, you definitely get like a weird, like, wow, this is the last peek into into the past, you know, post or pre pandemic, and now you're you're getting this, you know, you're revisiting it, and like, honestly, I think if anything, it's improved by the fact that we've had a pandemic because it's like, you know, we didn't really truly appreciate Sonic back in the day. No, no, we didn't, and I'll tell you, uh. I don't know anything about Sonic. It's in my, like, immigrant blind spot. I don't... Th I'm not sure if Russia got Sonic when I was still there. Um, I do... My only memory of Sonic is when we came over to the States, my stepdad uh, took me to Best Buy, and he was like, hey, you could have a PlayStation 2, because he was trying to bribe me, and it worked. Uh, and he was like, do you want this Sonic game or do you want this other thing? And I looked at the Sonic game and the design of Sonic was so unappealing to my sensibilities that I was like, mm, no. And I think I opted for a Nintendo 64 and I got Pokemon Stadium 2, which is another thing that holds up. Yeah, I was going to say, great choice. <laughs> Pokemon Stadium 2 me and my cousin almost got into fist fights over those goddamn mini games so oh my god i wish i had a nintendo 64 just so i could play the pokemon stadium games oh uh, well when we get our airbnb <laughs> that's <laughs> right one day we'll play pokemon stadium and watch uh godzilla versus king kong it'll be oh, a great yeah. day it'll be great yeah i mean like <laughs> it's funny right because i don't know how i missed sonic because i had a super nintendo growing up like as soon as they came to russia my grandpa was very into like 
bringing random shit into the house. This is a man who brought a live trout to live in our bathtub. So he just like showed up with a, yeah, dude, I have, he apparently bought my mom a rooster once. I have grandpa tails, they're wild. So <laughs> in an apartment complex, they weren't on a farm. So um, he brought home a Super Nintendo and man, when I tell you I played all the Mario, I had a Jurassic Park game, I had um, more Mario, honestly, it was a lot of Mario since Spider-Man. I didn't even know what Spider-Man was outside of the context of the Super Nintendo game that I had. Um, and then uh, I think my cousin had a Sega Genesis, I had a PS1. It is bizarre that I've avoided Sonic, but I have. And then that fucking trailer dropped. <laughs> And it was such a mess that I was like, you know, the shitty connoisseur in me was like, I have to see this. And then they fixed the CGI. And then I saw it and it was actually good. So talk about a fucking plot twist. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, the greatest twist of all was that they overworked their artists to make the movie look good. And it turned out to be like a pretty good movie the first good video game movie. So like, you know, (laughs) I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, okay. PSA. um, I can't tell you how the movie was structured. I'm sure if I looked at the credits, I could puzzle it out. Um, But just see everyone, all the 30 people that listen to us know VFX artists are not part of the animation union. And also the animation union only functions in, Los Angeles in California, as far as I understand. Like, Texas does not have an animation union, and VFX artists just, period, don't have one. So there's no one protecting VFX artists specifically from labor abuses. And, uh, I don't, listen, nobody, like, as far as I know, like, nobody came off of that set talking about the conditions there, but, like, there's that dumbass conspiracy theory going around that it was like, oh, they just made an ugly trailer. No, 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 no. I can pretty, I can speculate a little bit here. And the speculation is that a lot of the times when design decisions are being made, the people making the call are higher-ups that don't have any art training. And sometimes they'll pick the ugly design. So I'm sure that the Sonic design that we got was an early iteration, but it wasn't the one that was picked. And it wasn't until everyone was like, what the fuck is that, that the studio capitulated. Again, full speculation, but it would fit in with a pattern of, like, well-documented behavior in these kind of, like, big productions. So if you watch this movie... Just know that that's like a thing that, you know, a lot of this work had to be redone and altered and fixed and and, and just like fussed over and advocate for artists unions, especially in media. It's very important that people who do this work get fairly compensated because it's very difficult. Um, And that's that on that. Yeah, um, it should not be a surprise to any of you that Mortified is pro-union, um, but that's not he- here, except for police unions, uh, 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 but we don't need to talk about that until we talk about Tom. Um, <laughs> anyway. Even, <laughs> yeah, even I mean, Tom. Even Tom. Even Tom. Even Tom is still a bad cop. Um, but uh, we could we could talk about 
uh, how that that plays into the story. But I mean, basically, the story of the Sonic movie is you have our little blue friend. He lives on a, a planet far away with its own um, loop de loops built into it. Uh, but one day he is attacked by hedgehogs and his like mom owl gives him a bunch of mag- magic rings and tells him to live in Earth. Um, and then if that doesn't work, go to the Mushroom Kingdom and it'll be safe there. And he does that for a while until and he just like spies on this cop in this small town uh, known as Green Hill. That's an Easter egg uh, for all you uh, game heads out there. Um, and he becomes friends with this cop uh, after the cop does shoot him in the leg with a tranquilizer. Uh, but that's only because he had to go into hiding because he set off an electromagnetic pulse that knocked out the power on the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, and then the military has to call in uh, this doctor, Dr. Robotnik, Um and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a game of cat and mouse. They have to drive to San Francisco to find Sonic's magic uh, rings that he dropped in San Francisco. Um, and they, they have a lot of fun and wacky adventures along the way. Um, and it is, you know, despite that description, like a pretty good video game movie. Uh, a pretty good movie in general. Probably the best video game movie ever is my understanding. Yeah, I mean, listen, as you said in your notes, there's like character arcs. There's a cohesive plot. It's funny. It's genuinely funny. There's some great lines in this. There's some killer fucking jokes. Sonic gets into a bar brawl because he gets accused of being a hipster, quotes speed, and tries to hit a dude over the head with a bottle, and it doesn't work. (laughs) Like... It's, there's a bunch of really great one-liner. The fucking, um, the formula joke. Okay, so there, <laughs> Dr. Robotnik comes, because he's going to Tom's, who's the cop's house, uh, and he knows that he's hiding Sonic there. Uh, and he's like, oh, you think you're so fucking smart? Um, I was spitting formulas while you were spitting up formula. And Tom goes, uh, actually, I was breastfed. And um, Robotnik counters with, wow, nice. Rub that in my orphan face. Which <laughs> <laughs> is so good. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just jokes on jokes on jokes. The jokes per minute ratio is incredibly good. I love this movie. I think it's great. I also love every interaction that Tom has with, I think her name is Rachel. Uh, uh, his sister-in-law. Oh, the sister-in-law. I think Rachel sounds right. Maddie, Maddie is the wife. Rachel is probably the sister-in-law. Yeah, and, and Rachel and her daughter Jojo, who I love. Um, but Rachel also extremely funny because her and Tom hate each other, and it's introduced <laughs> so early in that Maddie's in San Francisco, like scouting out um, places for them to live, which <clears throat> Zillow sponsorship spotted. Uh, Zillow sponsorship, Olive Garden sponsorship, and Chevrolet. Those are the three that are in, uh, in this film. But, um, she's, she's, he's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just coloring with Rachel and Jojo. And he goes, well, that sounds half fun. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's just Rachel and him hating each other for the rest of time. And they end up, like, leaving her tied up in San Francisco. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's it's great. They're just like, oh man, we we've we've tied up our, my sister in San Francisco. Oops! And then her daughter's just like running around saying, "Gotta go fast, gotta go fast." And she's like, "Honey, please at least put on my Fitbit so I can get some steps in." That's <laughs> just such a good joke, too. It's a funny movie. It's very funny. We're not doing it justice because we're tired, but it's funny. It, it's really good. Um, 
I mean, I don't know. Should we break down the characters real quick? I mean, I think we kind of have to. Okay, I mean, obviously there's Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, it's established that he is the only hedgehog who can run super fast, which uh, is interesting. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's voiced by Ben Schwartz, who is an excellent uh, excellent choice, I think. Uh, you know, he has all the chaotic energy, and he's a, he's a very good uh, voice actor. Um, if you uh, haven't watched Ben Schwartz get interviewed by Patrick uh, Gill of Polygon, it's Maybe my favorite interview I've ever watched because Ben Schwartz is just bullying uh, this Polygon reporter the whole time. It's really, really good. Um, so he's great. Um, Tom is... Do you know who the actor who plays Tom is? Um, uh, 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 not James... Uh, what? The, not Henry Cavill. James Marsden. James Marsden. James Marsden, that's it. Um, you know, he's... For somebody who has to play off of a CGI hedgehog the whole time, I think he does a pretty good job, you know? he's, well, he's pe- this isn't his first CGI partner in crime movie. Oh, what what is? Kind of a long shot, actually. This is kind of his part of <laughs> big part of his brand. Oh, um, no. Yeah, I'm going down his IMDb right now, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love IMDb. Um, Fun fact, he's in The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Did not know that. That's a very sad movie. Um, He's also in a film called Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Interesting. Okay. Um, Where is it? Because there's like a bunch of screenshots of him. He's in Zoolander as John Wilkes Booth. Sorry. Uh, Yep. The, what, don't. the guy who shot Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> it's fucking apparently. Why is he in Zoolander? I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen Zoolander in so long. Um he was also the dumb prince in Enchanted. Love that for him. Oh, very good. Oh, he's in um um Hop. He was he was in a CGI movie with the rabbit. He had a rabbit. Do you remember Hop? It was like an Easter movie. I I know Donnie Darko. I don't know Hop. So Hop um, is a 2011 movie where it's an Easter movie. And IMDb describes it as E.B., the Easter Bunny's teenage son, heads to Hollywood, determined to become a drummer in a rock and roll band. In L.A., he's taken in by Fred, James Marston, after the out-of-work slacker hits E.B. with his car. So a common theme of accidentally committing violence against an animal that talks and having to take it in. There's literally a screenshot of the same exact shot from Sonic and from Hop of him sitting in the car talking to the CGI animal that he has to interact with. So James Marston is a seasoned professional. You know what? We have to give it up for somebody who has a specific brand that he pulls off consistently. Uh, hats off to you, James Marston. I'm going to reblog these screenshots to our Tumblr, to uh, mortifiedpod.tumblr.com. Excellent. Great. <laughs> Plug it. Bye. Um, uh, his wife is Maddie. Uh, she is a veterinarian. Um, and I think she does a pretty good job of like playing the, you know, like the accomplice uh, to all their weird heists uh, and, and weird uh shenanigans um and i just thought like the, the whole way that she was just like you know what this this dum-dum is my husband but i am going to uh roll with it the whole time and, and there's the other I, I mean i'm sure people who are listening to this have seen all the great trailers the one where they are like putting sonic in a bag and they're taking him up to the the uh top of this building in san francisco and she and him are just like you know waiting with other people at, uh, to get on the elevator and the people are like, excuse me, is that a child in your bag? And he says, Oh no. Um, that's it's 
well, it is a child, but it's not my child. Uh, <laughs> and then they're like, and then Sonic is just like, hey, uh, please let me out of here. I'm afraid of the dark. And Maddie just sort of zips him up. Um, that's really good. Uh, I think she does a great job. Yeah, she's a great accomplice. I, I, I think I even made a note somewhere in there where I was like, what is this, a healthy relationship? <laughs> Weird. Because <laughs> they're true. like checking with each other. The two cakes thing was very cute. Cause, uh, I loved that. Yes. So, like, you know, there, he, this guy Tom is like trying to get this job in San Francisco, um, because he's tired of being a small town cop, and like this letter comes in from the SFPD, and his wife Maddie is just like, okay, here we go, it's time to open it, and you know, he opens it, he gets the good news, he's been accepted, and she's like, oh yay, and she brings out a cake, and the cake says like, man, San Francisco fucking sucks anyway, and she's like, he's like, wait, what? And she's like, oh shoot, sorry, wrong cake, which is out for a better a cake that says, hey, congratulations, never had a doubt, um, and that's adorable, and I love it. <laughs> It was very, very cute. They have a, they have a really good time. Um, I did get really emotional in the movie theater because the movie ends with them basically adopting Sonic. Uh, and I did get emotional in the theater when they're like, go back to your cave. And he's like, oh, you guys are so lame. And he like starts to walk out the front door. They're like, where the fuck are you going? And he's just like, you said go back to my cave. And then Tom and Maddie like take him upstairs and they had taken all the stuff out of his cave and like made him a cute little room upstairs. Like they're literal accomplices hiding an alien from the government and but they put care into it and i love that for them i think that's a fantastic aesthetic yes it's perfect relationship goals 100 percent um i have to say my least favorite person in this movie was jim carrey as dr robotnik and maybe that's because he um does such an effective job uh, of playing just like a huge douchebag that chews every bit of scenery possible but like i was just like okay i get it you're jim carrey like, it's your thing. I loved it. I ate that Ugh, shit God. up. I love Jim. Well, okay, I think Jim Carrey went through a rough patch for a little while. <laughs> I didn't enjoy a lot of his, like, recent performances. But, man, this brought me back to Loving the Mask, which is a movie I refuse to rewatch because I have a feeling it does not hold up. But I have. No, I'm sure it does not. <laughs> I have fond memories of it, and I'm going to keep those for me. Yep. Keep those preserved in amber. Don't crack open that nostalgic uh, bottle. Nope, I refuse to do the mask and I refuse to rewatch Austin Powers, two things I objectively loved. Yep, um, nope, nope. <laughs> Don't revisit that. <laughs> nope. If you wanna if you want to watch Austin Powers, you should watch uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar instead. But anyway, so <laughs> An excellent film. But, um, yeah, I actually, I really like the Robotnik performance, but I think you're right. He does such a good job of being unlikable. But uh, I love, I don't know, I thought it was really funny. I love physical comedy. And he, man, that man is just all angles. He really went for it. Yeah, no, I mean, he is constantly moving, showing off his uh, strange behaviors, mannerisms, and facial expressions. Um, he did, he had my favorite part, um, that he the my, my favorite thing he did was that there's this part where they like acquire Sonic's quill right and he's like running in his like weird lab truck for testing and at one point he he licks it and it electrocutes him and he's like ah and then his assistant's there and he's like oh are you okay and he offers the quill to him he's like hey you want to hit which I thought was really good it was there I also like the part where um. Uh, uh, the assistant, Agent Stone, brings him a latte, and he's like, oh, I just thought you'd want a latte with, like, Venetian goat milk or something. And Jim Carrey just takes it, of course I want a latte! I love the way you make them! <laughs> so aggressive. 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, but I did in my trying to find um, what animal movie James Marston was in. I did find that people there's an active shipping community for for Doctor Robotnik and Agent Stone. Um, it's called is Stobotnik, I think is the tag. Um, so you know, people people will ship anything. Yeah, I mean, like Sonic though. Sonic is like the oh, like the it's the Rosetta Stone of shipping, right? Like you know, it's it's almost you know passe to refer to sonic mpreg at this point because like that's the go-to like oh there's fucked up stuff on the internet joke um and uh we did have to mention that just so that way we could say we truly talked about sonic on this podcast but like you know i'm glad that they didn't bring up that joke because like there's a lot of easter eggs in this movie and you know that would have been an easy one but instead they made jim carrey say let me show you what's in my egg sack yes that I mean, a genuinely incredible line um, as he sets a bunch of drones out to hunt down an alien child. Um, Also good that they are egg-shaped. And then Sonic later says, uh, points that out and then calls him Dr. Eggman. Uh, And that's how he gets his his moniker, his name. Eggman Origins. Eggman Origins. Yeah. it, and it was going to come back with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Tales, which has been, by the way, announced. Confirmed. Yeah, like, we're yeah. going to watch that shit for sure. Um, oh, we're, <laughs> we're meeting every every two months. We're going to meet in a central location. <laughs> <laughs> and watch the worst movie that's currently out. <laughs> yeah, Sonic, let's see. It's going to come out in 2022. So, I mean, hey, if King Kong is this year's venture. That's right. We, we well, got a slot open for 2022. Yeah, it'll be our pilgrimage. April eighth is the the release date. It's an Aries. An Aries oh, perfect. Um, I do want to shout out. Uh, was it Wade, the partner? Yes. No brain cells. No, he's done as shit, <laughs> uh, and we love him. Um, there is a really like. There's a lot of good shots of him just being like, "Hey, Tom, what do I do? All the power's out." And Tom's like, "Yeah, it's a power outage." Um, but like, I think my favorite part was like. Because when Tom is like on the run for the government, he calls to check in with Wade, and he's like, "Okay, Wade, yeah, like, what are people saying? Oh, they're they're saying you're a terrorist, Tom." And he's like, "Oh, okay, well, you know, whatever you do, don't tell them that I called you." And he's like, "Oh, I think they might already know." And then the camera like zooms out, and then just like the whole fucking FBI is in that shitty little sheriff's office. <laughs> I just loved that framing. I love that framing. First of all, the framing in this is a lot. I also like the one where uh, uh, Tom is giving his goodbye speech, his like big formal "I'm resigning and going to San Francisco" speech, and it's framed like he's standing in front of this like beautiful vista and delivering the speech to a crowd, and then he's delivering it to a fucking donut with aviators on. <laughs> um, my favorite wait moment was uh, during that power outage where he was just like he gets off the phone with Tom and he's like, "What's the first thing Tom said to do?" relax and he just leans back as the switchboard is fucking blowing up it is the movie is funny it's funny it's funny in a way that's like appealing to us as mid i guess almost late 20 somethings at this point oh we're but, late 20 somethings baby except it we're barreling uh, towards the 30 uh and also like kids like there are a lot of jokes about you know chili dog farts and you know a lot of physical comedy and like i think that that's 
that's kind of something to be celebrated, right? Like, you know, there's often, you know, the, the trope is that like, they have jokes that like go over the head of children. And, um, but like, I think that this joke, this show doesn't really do that. It just like, Hey, here's some lowbrow humor. And here's some actually like kind of good, like funny writing. <laughs> Right, and it, it's it's got it's got something for everyone. New York's hottest club is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like it's truly, it's truly so good. Oh my god! I and I was kind of nervous to watch it because I was like, oh, what if I thought it was funny when I saw it? Because you know, the big screen always like makes you invested in things. Like when I saw. Um, when I saw like Twilight on the big screen, I would have these like big emotional reactions to it. Even though no, Frozen, I think is a better example. I bald through the end of frozen i cried so hard i hate that movie i, <laughs> I hate frozen i didn't I, realize you hate frozen i thought you just I, hated the kingdom hearts 3 version of frozen i hate every iteration of frozen that isn't the broadway musical the broadway musical is really good because they fixed it the m- movie is abhorrent i don't like it i think it's bad frozen 2 is better not that great. is god what a controversial take <laughs> It's the hottest take. It's like the most lukewarm take I think I have. Um, And that comes with my usual caveat of I think all the artists that worked on those films are incredible, very talented, very good, but it just, I don't think, I didn't like it. It's not for me, you know? Let it go. But, uh, (laughs) if I I ever make a let it go joke again. But, um, I love the Broadway musical, though, because it it adds, whatever, it fixes it. It's good, it's good. The Broadway musical is good. It's a good story. I just didn't like the execution. So, uh, but I don't like that movie, and I cried, and I hated myself for it. And I was like, well, what if I saw it on the big screen? It was only funny because it was on the big screen. But no, that bar fight scene is still fucking funny. Because it is, there's one point where Sonic just, like, freeze frames the whole thing because he's so fast. And he just, like, lightly jogs around and starts, like, winding shit through people's legs. There's an ex-ambassador song playing in the background. He makes toilet paper mummies out of people. He gives someone a wedgie. Like, it's truly... I had two thoughts during that whole scene. One was, this is the most expensive sequence in this whole fucking film. And two was, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen because the moment time returns to normal, everyone just collapses okay those those like somebody one character is super fast and everybody else is moving at normal speed is that's like one of my favorite cinematic tropes um you see this in x-men i believe days of future past with uh quicksilver and also in um the over the hedge movie with uh hammy the squirrel who drinks a uh, who drinks a soda and then becomes uh, ultra fast and i just love those fucking sequences where everyone else is just like moving very very slowly uh, because then you get to do fun shit like you know somebody just like running through a house and then just like you know you know time stops and they are able to fuck with people he puts a he puts a bear head on the one uh biker who's coming to punch him and then it's just like and then one time like snaps back together everybody just is laid the fuck out and tom is like what just happened uh and it that's just one of my favorite tropes and i was so glad that they employed it uh in this film well, they employed it in that scene where it was really effective, but it also set up a really good reveal for Dr. Robotnik having a ship that can go as fast as Sonic. Because uh, when Sonic makes it to the, the Transamerica building to get his rings back, he uh, Robotnik co- 
corners him, Tom, and Maddie, and what he does to get out of that situation is he pushes Tom and Maddie off the building, knowing he's going to catch them when he gets back down there. So it's this whole gratuitous, and it's in the trailer, it's this whole like gratuitous sequence of him just like pushing bullets aside, like swimming through them. A cool sequence. But then when he starts running down the building to catch Tom and Maddie, Robotnik pushes his, uh, his button, and it uses Sonic's quill to supercharge his ship and he moves at the same speed as Sonic. So it is, it's, it's a cool device and it set up an even cooler reveal. Side note, I wanted to see if James Barston was in the Over the Hedge movie because it would be a fun parallel and I would kind of expect it of his career. Um, he is not, but, uh, can we talk about this all-star cast? Bruce Willis, Steve Carell, Wanda Sykes, William Shatner, uh, Allison Janney, Eugene Levy, and Catherine O'Hara of Schitt's Creek fame presently, but also of all their other projects. Avril Levine. All in this film. All in this 2006 animated feature. God damn, man. <sighs> that was yeah. a good movie. Uh, I hate to say it, but Over the Hedge is a good movie. Um, I think, I think tr- that was the DreamWorks Renaissance, maybe, that, you know, yeah, it was, it's from the creators of Shrek and Madagascar. Does not set a single expectation. Those are two wildly different movies. <laughs> you know, the, the Shrek and Madagascar. <laughs> you know, those two incredibly similar properties. Highly comparable. Love <laughs> Madagascar. I love to move it, move it, lemur. It was great. Um, speaking of crossover potential. Oh, boy. So, like... They very much hint at the fact that, like, they send Eggman at the very end, like, Sonic throws a ring and he pushes Eggman into this mushroom realm. That's the Mushroom Kingdom, like, where Mario's from, right? Like, 100%? I mean, it's gotta be, right? It's Even if they don't, like, have, like, actual, like, you know, they didn't get the rights from Miyamoto or whatever, like, you know, it's implied to be that the case. Um... And, like, you know, when this movie came out, like, people were talking about, like, on Twitter, like, oh, yeah, like, Detective Pikachu should show up and be like, hey, I'm here to recruit you for the Smash initiative. And, like, I would absolutely love a fucking Smash movie. And, like, I think that'd be fucking sick as hell. (laughs) I would watch the shit out of that movie. That is 100% true. I would do it 1000%. My question is, would Mario be played by a real actor or would he also be CGI because he's also not human? If the mushroom planet is not an Earth planet. Because Mario is an Italian man. Listen, these are the real questions we gotta fucking answer. Is he gonna be a tiny cartoon man? Well, Dr. Eggman isn't. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it makes sense that Mario would be a, a live man, but also, like, have you seen that that Super Mario Brothers movie? That what? Oh, Layla. Oh, no. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. no oh, no. Layla, you don't know about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, I fucking do now. The 1993... What? It is, unequivocally, the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. Uh, worse than Cats... <laughs> Worse than the worse than the greatest showman, certainly worse than Aladdin. Oh my god. Why did they have guns? Why did I watch this film? No, please, not again. 
I mean, you don't have to watch it. You've seen it. I want to watch it because I'm a connoisseur. Okay, you can watch it. Um, yeah. Sorry to. I'm sorry. This is the way you had to find out about the Super Mario Brothers movie. But like in this movie, right? Mario and Luigi are just like guys. Um, and that's because this movie came out in like what the 80s or 90s or whatever. Um, but like. I don't know what's better. Like, I think that Mario would look super fucked up as just like a guy surrounded by like CGI Sonic and like fucking, you know, CGI Pikachu. But I think it would also be like incredibly sick <laughs> if we just had like a big battle between a dude and some CGI people. I mean, while we're on this topic, I feel like I should use my platform to mention there is a Five Nights at Freddy's movie with Nick Cage in it. It's called Holy shit. Willy's Wonderland. And I, if you want to talk about tropes I love, it is, they're not, he's not trapped in there with them. They're trapped in there with him. <laughs> but also that's, that's the motherfucker that you could say that about, right? This isn't some fucking like fight club bullshit. Like if there is somebody who I least want to be in a room with, it's Nicholas fucking Cage. <laughs> After watching Airplane, I would believe it. Like it, well, <laughs> Layla, I, Layla tweeted about this, and then I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, and then she linked it to me, and then I got hit by a fucking truck as I watched Nick Cage attack a bunch of weird-ass animatronics. And, like, they're singing this, like, song that's, like, halfway creepy. It's like, it's your birthday, and we're gonna have fun, or something like that. But it's not... God, there's like a robot ostrich that's the ugliest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so upsetting. Okay, but I really like the color grading in that trailer, and I really like that birthday song. <laughs> that I hate is good. You. <laughs> I want to watch that so movie. <laughs> it's, it's a wild flick. So in the outline, you asked me if I've seen any video game movies. I'm going to open mm-hmm. this up to you first. Have you seen any video game movies? Not that I can think of. Like, I watched, like, I mean, I watched, like, animated like movies based off of like popular anime like i watched the Yu-Gi-Oh movie when it came out um and i watched the the you know i i routinely watch the mewtwo strikes back movie um but like an excellent film yeah a great great movie all around um but i haven't i don't think i've actually seen like any many like bad video game adaptations like i think the mortal Kombat or street fighter i don't know which one is like the one that's supposed to be super bad but like yeah i've never seen that um you know, I haven't seen the Assassin's Creed one that apparently was dog shit. So, like, yeah, I, I re- this was my first video game movie. And I'm here to say, folks, video game movies are good. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Based on the sample size, they're incredible. <laughs> based, based on this movie alone, this is the best fucking genre in the world. Um, so I've seen Mortal Kombat, but it was forever ago, and I do remember it being terrible. Um, I believe I've seen Lara Croft Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie in it. Same forever ago, can't really remember it. Uh, I've also seen Jumanji. It's Robin Williams. Oh, I've seen yeah. Jumanji. I've seen the Jumanji with Robin Williams, but is that a, really a video game? I guess not. It's just like a game game. But yeah. is a, I that's a good. It. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, funnily enough, have played Jurassic Park the game, as I mentioned earlier. Have never seen any of the movies. Um, Wait, hope. Yeah. What do you mean you've... Oh, you've played it on the, the 60... The Nintendo Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo, yeah, forever ago. When I was okay, a, all right. Um, when I was a baby. Sh- you should... We'll have to talk about Jurassic Park. No, oh, Boise, Boise, Idaho. Um, I have also seen the Dragon Age and Mass Effect films. They exist. They're on Hulu. Um, audience, I'm going to save you some time. Watch... If you're going to watch them, I can't stop you. 
watch only one of them. And then after you've done watching one of them, I want you to sit down. I want you to picture what would happen if the gender roles of the protagonists were reversed. And that's the other movie. They are the same film, the same plot, except in one of them, the lead is a woman with a male love interest. And then in the other one, the lead is a male with a female love interest. And if you're going to watch any of them, watch the Mass Effect one because it's objectively funnier. It's anime. Um, the Dragon Age one is CGI. They're not great films. That's uh, <laughs> why you probably have never heard of them. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I, too, have mostly seen, like, a live action anime movies um, because they're a genre of art on their own. I've seen the Death Notes, all three, two Japanese, one American. I've seen all three Death Notes. I've seen uh, all the Pokemons you could think of. I've seen um, the live action Full Metal Alchemist, the the Netflix one. Not terrible. The wigs bad the acting pretty <laughs> fine actually uh, because they make the humans do anime faces chef's kiss um yeah i what makes this one different is it because they actually treated it like a movie and like gave it its own story yeah i mean i think like the fact that they they set up pretty straightforward like sonic's whole thing is like he wants to make a friend and like he has a whole bucket list he wants to check off but his main thing is like make a, tr a true friend and tom at the very beginning is like i want to you know i've been a cop in a small town for a while um and like the main thing i want to do is like save someone's life um and like listen as somebody who you know has relatives who are cops in small towns like i think you've probably done some shit sir like let's not pretend that small town america is um a paradise with no violent crime um but like where they, they set this up pretty early and they they say it straightforwardly like t sonic is like hey it's a matter of life and death please help me and um at the very end he you know tom gives sonic a high five and, and like they're like hey we're, we're true friends and also you can live with us um, and, like, I think that's really it. Like, storytelling, but broken down to its basic components, is set up, you know, set up motivations, uh, you know, throw in some conflict and then pay off those motivations. And that's it. And they do that. And, you know, nobody had super high expectations for this movie, especially after the fucking trailer disaster. So, like, I think that's that's what makes it pretty good. Like, if people had been saying it's high art, maybe we would have come at it differently. But I think that, in general, like, it's... It's a pretty good movie, and, like, that's because it just played by very basic storytelling conventions. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing. I think I get a lot. I get really annoyed with movies recently that try to do too much. Like, um, I went to see Hustlers when it was out, the J-Lo stripper movie. Listen, the first third of that film, poetic cinema. Stunning. Gorgeous. Right up until the Usher cameo, it is everything. <laughs> And then Usher came in. <laughs> and then Usher came in. No, it was great. It was fine. Usher's cameo was fine. It lasted like 10 seconds. But then, so like, the first third of the movie is like Scammer Strippers, which is the movie I want. I want Scammer Strippers. Give me that. Then it became a story about motherhood, about found family, Scammer Strippers, reform, poverty, racial injustice. Like, it just became... 40 stories and it dragged on and like what happened to the scammer strippers where did lizzo and cardi b go you put them on the poster they're only in the first third of the movie and then all of a sudden the financial crisis happens and it's like where did they go well you didn't have enough money to pay them apparently because 
I don't know, J-Lo ate all your budget. But like, I just, you know, it's simple is fine. Simple is fine. We went on a simple hero's journey, Nomura. <laughs> we started at point A and we made a clear path to point B, Nomura. And it's fine. It was enjoyable. I really liked it. I laughed. It was memorable. It's fine. We can make simple things. And it could still be good and fun. Do you know entertainment is supposed to be fun? Revelations, frankly. It's it's right in the name. Right? Are you entertained? Shit, is that a Joker quote? I didn't mean to do that. No, it's a Russell Crowe quote um, oh, mm. from Gladiator. Mm. No, fine. Fine. <laughs> Was it with the Gladiator or 300? Uh, Gladiator. 300 but- does not have any good lines in it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is Sparta, pretty iconic. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just boggles the mind that we can't just like make simple things anymore. And then we do make simple things. And guess what? It works. Because guess what else came out that was really simple? Detective Pikachu. And you know what it was? Also a good movie. Fucking slapped. Oh, God. I thoroughly enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I didn't Detective expect Pikachu. to. God, I know, honestly, yeah, I also had super low hopes for that movie, but they gave me some Pokemon cards, and I gotta see fucking <laughs> Pikachu do some wild shit with, um, God, I forget the plot of that movie, but basically it ended up with, like, Mewtwo being his dad or something wild, right? Yeah. No, Pikachu, Pikachu was the kid's dad. No, Pikachu was the, the dad, Mewtwo was just there. Uh, cool. It is incredible. The soundtrack is very good. It's very 8-bitty. It makes me happy. I have it on my instrumentals playlist. Like, Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling, not Gosling. Oh my god. My brain has stopped functioning. The hot one. He does a great job voice acting through the whole thing. It's very compelling. I love the talking Pikachu. I love the detective mystery. I love the whole shit of the missing kind of deadbeatish dad that tries to make amends. I love the healing Bulbasaurs. It was an incredible movie. And these two things came out around the same time. And I'm like, where has this genre been? Because every other video game movie I've ever seen has not. It's been bad. I mean, honestly, that's just an interesting thing, though. Like, there is some conversation about like you know the capitalizing on on millennials nostalgia right but like i don't know that i mean maybe the detective pikachu more than sonic but like sonic is really not capitalizing on anyone's nostalgia except for like the couple people because people who like sonic like say like the first couple sonic games are good and the rest have been awful so like i don't i don't know like if if why people i don't know if we just got the stars aligned and we got like a cool detective pikachu movie and a you know a sonic movie but like i I would really like to see you know more you know people taking older properties and making new stories with them i think i just asked for more remakes which is not great but um i don't know i i just love crossovers we talked about kingdom hearts you all know that um I don't know. I guess it's an interesting discussion to have, which is like, should we be making, trying to emphasize more new stuff for newer generations, or should we be uh, appealing to the nostalgia of older generations? And like, obviously, appealing to what old people want is never good um, (laughs) for your government or your planet. But like, I don't know. These two, those two movies are are really fun. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, I think, uh, so... 
those franchises are still current. Kids play Pokemon, you know? Like, it's not about the people who have been playing Pokemon for 20 years, you know? It's 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 also appealing to kids. It's a pretty general concept. You can apply it a hundred different ways. So, like, I don't mind more content of franchises that are, like, current like that, you know what I mean? It's just... um I mean, I've, I've written about uh, Breath of the Wild before and how it's like a really good entry point into uh, that franchise. It's 35 years old as of this year. And, and, you know, people play it. Kids play it. It's a very popular game. It's on the Switch. The Switch, a lot of kids have Switches and have Breath of the Wild and like this franchise. And I think something like Legend of Zelda would actually make a pretty good movie if you treated it with the same kind of honesty that Sonic was treated like, it would have to be melodramatic as hell and, and, you know, simple story, get to the point, fight Ganon, whatever. I think the problems arise, like Ascreed and Mortal Kombat and um, basically, like, any other RPG-based, like, the Dragon Age movies also. Um, the problems arise when you try to make um, a f- movie, which is a linear well, not necessarily linear, but like a very rigid type of storytelling in the sense that like the audience does not get to interact with the narrative. It is what it is. Um, but it's a story where you get player choice and it relies on player choice. So Assassin's Creed, you can choose to make certain kills. You can choose the way you go about certain things. That does not a good movie make because you invalidate a lot of player experience and a lot of narrative style by shoehorning it. Uh, also, Michael Fassbender is a bad person. So if you watch that movie, try to make sure it's not in a way where he gets paid for it. Um, well, uh, and then, you know, the Dragon Age movies tried to be about uh, side characters, the characters that don't really appear in the games. But the circumstances they're involved in, um, and not so much the Dragon Age one, but the Mass Effect one, I want to say, are things that involve things that would have been impacted by player choice. You don't want to do that either. Um, same thing with the comic books. A lot of stuff that's been, like, impacted by player choice, and especially with a fandom community that is so, like, rooted in its own headcanon. Like, everyone has their own interpretation of their own playthrough because the player choice is, like, the biggest selling point in these games. Um, same thing with, yeah, basically any anything that's not, like, a linear... Like, I think Castlevania, right, took off. It's not a movie, but, it, but the, the series, because there's no, like, player choice. It's a linear narrative that's like very fitting to be adapted to to like a different visual format where you can just like tell the story so i think it goes back to that conversation and i think we had either in private or on this podcast about like making things that have to be in a certain format um where it's easier to adapt video games that don't that are flexible enough or they don't have to be a game to have an iteration of that story told in movies but if it's like mortal Kombat, where the whole point is the gameplay you know, like, what are you, what are you going to do? It's hard, yeah. Like, you know, fighting games, you know, game games that are open world, like, it is very difficult to constrain those into a narrative that is both satisfying for the viewer, but also hits those nostalgia points. Like, I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but like, you know, video game movies are often just seen as cash grabs. And, you know, if you don't put the resources into your writing team, like, you're, you're going to shit the bed. But, um, you know, I think this is, this Sonic movie is is a perfect example of like how a great template of how you can actually adapt media properties not that you should necessarily do that constantly but it's a great way to show that you can do it effectively in a way that 
has a broad appeal and you know definitely recommend checking out the sonic movie if you've got an hour and a half to kill it's a good time Mm -hmm. all of that being said there was a tweet the other day after the corella trailer came out that was like y'all are shitting on the corella trainer trailer but you would all go ape shit if at the end of it maleficent showed up and was like i'd like to talk to you about kingdom hearts (laughs) that tweet is correct that tweet is correct i would watch the shit out of that kingdom hearts movie it would be the fucking worst movie you've ever seen in your life, and I would get it on Blu-ray choice. <laughs> I would only watch it if, uh, oh my god, what is his name? Is it Haley Joel Osment, the Sora's yes. voice actor? Yes. I would only watch it if Haley Joel Osment put on that shitty Walmart Sora costume as a grown fucking man and went through that story. That is, I want that movie experience. Where's Jesse fucking McCartney doing the parent <laughs> trap shit? Where he's in the same frame twice. I want that movie. Give it to me. Give and fucking Angelina Jolie has to take them all seriously with those cheekbones. Give me. <laughs> Give me. <laughs> I deserve this. Oh my god. That that's how I'll know I can die. I cannot <laughs> die until the Kingdom Hearts live action movie is produced. So God, that's my challenge to you. And you know what we gotta do? There was that article with Nomura where he's like, yeah, American companies have more turnover than Japanese ones, so every every like Kingdom Hearts game, there's a new Disney exec. We have to become that Disney exec. Okay, this is it. Yeah. This is it. I'm this right. is how we do it. We have to somehow figure out how to climb that fucking corporate ladder. I don't know if we're gonna have to put on some white powder and a trench coat, but we're gonna fucking do it. Uh, okay, I mean, it's gonna be a little bit more difficult for you being a woman um also also, you're not a white person um you know also just yelled about not liking frozen i'm kidding disney i love everything you put out that was a joke for the podcast joke it's my favorite film well maybe you could be our intelligence operative and i could be the face because i'm a man um yes and you know i could be like a diversity (laughs) hire um but then like i could climb my way up through the ranks by um how do people get promoted in disney uh i think I think it's just a trial by combat, and I'm like, I think- <laughs> I'm not very strong, but I'm like way younger than most of the people that become Disney execs. Yes, like I could get a Keyblade. I could yes. do it. Yes, get the Gun Keyblade. Be yeah. Leon if Leon was a Keyblade holder. That one, yeah. People don't think about how the the fact that they have just a gun in Kingdom Hearts, and that's not the weapon that Sora used. Like Sora, you should just use the gun. It's just that book meme, and it's like Kingdom Hearts being a huge book, and then Kingdom Hearts, if Kyrie had a gun, would be like a short story. <laughs> just mm-hmm. give Kyrie a gun. But yeah, no, I think we should become that Disney exec that's in charge of Kingdom Hearts, and then you have to act surprised. This is an important part when they hand you the yeah. binder that is literally just a flip book of Mickey Mouse shaking his ass. You mm. have to act surprised. And then, then you have to pitch the idea and listen. It has to be brilliant. It has to be powerful. We have to point to examples of successful video game adaptation movies. And you have to create a mood board. I can help you do that. And it has okay. to involve all of these live action adaptations. I'm talking, we got to bring back Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. We got to bring back fucking Maleficent. We got we to gotta bring it all back. Mm-hmm. No, and we definitely. Have to make this 
horrifying amalgamation of a Kingdom Hearts movie. Okay, yep. We'll start, we'll work on acquiring the rights and contacting the lawyers. Um, so we're actually starting our Patreon now. Um, you know, for $5 a month, you can get an extra bonus podcast. Uh, for a billion dollars a month, you can help me become the new CEO of Walt Disney. So we can make a Kingdom Hearts movie. I think it's honestly a really good investment if you think about it. It's just the McElroys want to be in Trolls 2, except it's, it's Aaron and Layla want to be Disney executives. <laughs> that's our new podcast this is it this is our pilot episode <laughs> yeah oh my god no i would fucking let me let me storyboard it disney listen let me storyboard it let me let me let me help you let me write it i would be good at it like aaron can do all the plot shit let me get the one-liners it'll it'll be so good so you know support our patreon we're gonna make it happen exactly anyway um <laughs> until then where else can people find you on the internet <laughs> I am at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. I am presently very busy, so it's just kind of memes right now. But, you know, I'll I'll draw again someday. It'll happen. Uh, you can read my essays at uh, LaylaMamadovi.com slash blog. I got to write one tonight. And play. Uh, you know what? You know what? You know what? I got something to plug. Go to go to heart-forge.tumblr.com. Play some good romance games that my friend Marty made. Uh, yes, also second uh, Marty's games at Harge Forged. Um, uh, Marty is very cool, and you should check them out. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at AaronSXL. Uh, you can also listen to the other podcast I do uh, at The Bible Boys, our episode about how we much we hate Rush Limbaugh just dropped. Um, and we're recording an episode tonight about um, cool variations on the Bible that I'm very excited for. Um, it's a, it's a Josh led episode, which means it's going to be completely off the rails. Uh, I'm very excited for that. Fucking unhinged. Yes. Um, uh, but I also, in, in the vein of, uh, Layla writing essays, uh, I was inspired by, um, the, uh, more civilized age podcast who writes, uh, a quick blog about why the droids in star Wars are human or not human, but are people and, uh, should get rights. Um, and I thought that was, uh, it was a fun thing to talk about. Also, we should probably uh, abolish SeaWorld, but, you know, we'll get there. Um, you could also know that our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Uh, Layla, do you know what we're doing next week? No, we've been very loosey-goosey with planning, um, and that's fine. So next week's episode is going to be a fucking surprise. Join us. You know what? We love that. Um, Then, in lieu of that, uh, what do we say at the end of every podcast? What did you think about that, Sergeant Sprinkles? (laughs) We'll see you all next week. 